Hello and welcome to a special episode of James Bond and Friends. We were recording this on the day that somebody at MGM probably just got very rich and is going to buy a small island somewhere. As Amazon announced, they are paying $8.45 billion for MGM. And with that comes 50% of the James Bond rights. So to discuss this, uh, news we've all been expecting is David Lee, Bill Koenig, Ben Williams, Sean Longmore, and Dr. Lisa Funnel. And I've got a quick question for you, Lisa. That's all right. Sure. Um, when you buy something from Amazon and then the next day it turns up and you open the box, do you say to yourself, just what the doctor ordered? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will now. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, James. Oh, gosh. You've had days to come up with a good pun for the start of the episode. Not- <laughs> Well, at least it was, at least yeah, it was short. You've had all week to think about one. <laughs> all right, unsubscribe. <laughs> I'll just write a shitty podcast review. All right, well, yeah, you'll get lost in the, in the crowds on that one. All right. Uh, David, Bill, Lisa, Ben, and Sean, would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Hi, it's David Lee here. I run the James Bond dossier, and I'm the author of The Complete Guide to Drinks of James Bond. And I, uh, my my website is actually hosted on Amazon. Hey, yeah. hmm. uh, I'm Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command, and my best lines on this podcast are when we're not recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we caught some of it's, it. You know, it's like a jazz musician. It's, it's the notes you don't play, play right? No. <laughs> I'm Dr. Lisa Funnel. I'm a university professor, award-winning author, and podcaster specializing in gender in <laughs> gender in James Bond and other action films. And you can keep my music in there. <laughs> None of us are drunk. <laughs> oh, hi. Uh, I'm going to jump in in front of Sean uh, just because... <laughs> Um, I'm Ben Williams. I write for mi6hq.com and mi6 Confidential Magazine, and I am absolutely clueless about business, so uh, this should be a fun podcast. Uh, Hello, I'm Sean Longmore, and I'm a graphic designer and Bond fan, and I did an economics A-level, but I got a C, so... (laughs) I can. It's a pass. Be like, it's a pass. Yeah, yeah. I can provide like a mild business commentary, if if that. Please don't expect. Well, much. you know, Sean, that actually probably puts you ahead of some MGM CEOs over the last <laughs> four years. Jeez, <laughs> oh, we're going there. <laughs> Just a little history. Just pointing it out. You haven't been indicted for wire fraud, have you, Sean? No, he hasn't. <laughs> Just checking. But no, no, notice that Bill's checked him out already. <laughs> <laughs> um, quickly want to go around the houses uh, to take the temperature of the room. Um, who's happy about this? Who's nervous about this? What are your general feelings? Then we can get into some, maybe some of the specifics. I I have said this quite early on in the podcast uh, that. I thought it was inevitable that Bond would go to one of the streaming services. This isn't quite how I envisaged it to happen, and uh, it's been accelerated by the pandemic. But uh, in many respects, I think uh, because it was inevitable, there was no point in in fighting it. And so, um, yeah, it's it's now Eon's battles to to fight and make sure they, they get what they want if they want to continue. I was I was just going to say like okay, 
uh, MGM, it was like 40 years ago, next month, I think, that they bought United Artists. And like ever since, it's been like one soap opera after another. And like, so now we have a big successful company buying MGM. So maybe finally there will be some stability, at least for the foreseeable future. Does this mean changes for Bond? Maybe yes, maybe no. But I don't think we have to worry about bankruptcies, about crooks buying the studio, about this, that, and the other. So, like, after 40 years in the wilderness, maybe kind of sort of the Bond franchise, like, uh, uh, <laughs> has, has, like, finally come out of that. We'll see. Oh, so what you're, what you're saying, Bill, is sort of that it, the, the stability that comes with this, this purchase is going to kind of see us out of those kind of long hiatuses. Um, through kind of either legal wrangles or you know what have you that we we were seeing uh, you know in bankruptcy filings and all. Well, yeah, it's, it's certainly going to it's certainly going to stop the uh, gaps like between Quantum right. of Solace and, and Skyfall when the <laughs> studio did go. Disagree. Yeah, I, I guess my I guess my feeling is is sort of sort of a seesaw between that bill that that stance of like. Yes, it's probably going to mean that we're going to get more consistency and stability overall in the uh, in the franchise, and we're going to see you know films coming out more hopefully more regularly. Um, but on the on the flip side of that, um, I'm not a big fan of Amazon. Um, I I unsubscribed from their service some time ago, and I don't purchase through Amazon. Um, you know because. <laughs> Because I'm I'm the Britter of the group, um, and I yeah. So on the one hand, I, I do see that there are some some benefits that do do come along with this, but on the and you know I, I think to David's point, you know the purchase was sort of an inevitability by somebody at some point, you know whether that would have would have been Apple or whoever whomever. Um, I guess I would have just somehow personally preferred it not to have been Amazon um, with their ubiquity. And um, so I just, yeah. So happy and sad, I suppose, in a weird roundabout way. Can, can I respond real quick? It's like um, somebody said to me when I was doing posts about this the past few days, somebody said, um, oh, just, it was just had to do with how, I made a comment about people are going to make jokes about how Bezos looks like a Bond villain. And then somebody said, looks like, I think he's a Bond villain. (laughs) I mean, and also it's not like, it's not like Bezos has endeared himself to the general public. The guy is like in the process of buying a $500 million yacht. That's going to need a support. Like, okay. So like I've seen, <laughs> so I've seen some people say, okay, this is when, this is the kind of thing when the revolution yeah. starts. And so like, you know, like Bezos personally has a lot of baggage in the, in the minds of the general public. So anyway, that's yeah, all. I agree with that. Um, it's certainly not, n- not, it's certainly a reason why I don't 
like him you know um we've we've seen and and not to kind of shift the 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 focus too politically but you know the the relevance of billionaires um in the world specifically during things like you know a, a pandemic but also just in the broader societal terms um you know does does raise some questions about ethics um and morality I I I complete I completely agree with you um with, with this Ben it's just that um you know it, it's just some things are so inevitable that uh yeah I I I don't I, I don't you know I I look at it, I look at it as Amazon the com- the company I nearly said the country <laughs> Amazon the company and uh it's been a long day and uh and so I I I don't really think very much about um your your mate uh, hmm. jeff but um but uh, but you know I, yeah the, my mate is jeff a is with, really with so many billionaires and so on. jeff um <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can speak yeah. to and, uh, my opinion on this um Going into this week, I was very indifferent. And I think I expressed that to most of you, that I I didn't know how I felt about it. Uh, There was like this inevitability, but we've also been in a COVID year, which I would say is like seven years. Like COVID years are basically living life through dog (laughs) years. Um, Everything has just been so hard and so heavy and drawn out. And there's been disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. There's a lot of uncertainties. And so when I woke up this morning and saw the news, I was actually quite happy. I felt like something was happening. Um, A few of the comments about having stability in the world of Bond, which could be a very positive thing. It could be an infusion of energy and excitement. You know that there's streaming options. We've heard from the producers that they still plan on making theatrical releases. So this isn't just like a, like a home video franchise that things are still going to continue on. I just felt a surge of excitement because something definitive has happened. And I'm very, like, I'm very hopeful for the future of James Bond in ways that I was just uncertain yesterday, or just, I didn't have thoughts and feelings about it. And I always tell my students when I teach them, I'm like, use your feelings as a springboard into analysis. And so I think that that's something that all of us should do. We should all search our feelings. That's my Star Wars reference (laughs) there. Always sort of search your feelings and see how you're reacting. And I'm pretty giddy today. Um, I've had a rough week in Oklahoma with hail damage and stuff. So this is, this is really perking me up because I just see a lot of positivity and and potential and and options and opportunities. Now, will they come to fruition and all my ideas? Probably not, but um, it's at least giving me something hopeful to look forward to as we are. I'm hoping that there's going to be a release soon, but we don't know. At least we know definitely that um, Amazon has taken over and we're taking a step in some direction forward. I, I like that point. Yeah, yeah, Lisa, can I just say, I, I was surprised this, this morning, or this morning, your time, at how positive you, you sounded about it, because I, I do remember just a couple of days ago, you, you saying that you, um, you you didn't really know how to feel about it. Yeah, and I was, was I was surprised just... by it, too. Like, I'm genuinely like, why am I so perky today? And why am I so amped up? And I think it's just because something definitive has happened. And I think all of us are kind of in this liminal state wanting the world to be settled back down and seeing what life is going to be like post coronavirus. And I feel as though this just 
for me in my chaotic world is just like a piece that's just defined now. And now this is where I feel like my expertise comes in because I don't really do all the speculation stuff because I don't have background. I don't know how markets work. I don't know how the conversations happen, which I know we're going to get into. And there are people on this podcast who will definitely shine and I will learn a lot. I'm more of a once things happen, now I can go back and analyze what's going on. And I feel like I have some footing and I can say um, some new things in this moment. So yeah, I was I was just as shocked as you were that I was that I was happy about it. I was like, ooh, this is an interesting feeling. Happiness. Oh. <laughs> it is. Pop- yeah, I remember it from a year or so ago. <laughs> it was so long ago. Um, it is possible. Possible today may be the beginning of the end of a distressful, uh, very stressful era in Bond franchise, mostly having to do with MGM, but yes. So as our sole lone UK ambassador, Sean, how are you feeling about it? So I have lots of different feelings going off in my head. Um, uh, So to to just pick up on what Bill said there, I think it's really nice that this, this kind of brings a sense of security to the Bond franchise now, as I kind of feel like no matter what now we're, definitely going to get a next a new james bond film we're definitely going to get another one so that's kind of like a mm-hmm. nice ah we probably won't have to wait five years again fingers crossed so that's kind of relaxing but i'm also like i'm kind of really confused as well but more by the price tag that they've paid here for mgm um which is probably a wider conversation um i'm curious as if if um casino royale ends up as like a prime exclusive will they kind of expand the frame to crop richard branson out that's something i kind of wonder and i i really want to know what itv are now going to air on a sunday afternoon right which is that's kind of where my head first went but but the big thing is is the price that's really confusing me and that to put this in perspective that they've paid what 8.45 billion dollars that's a lot of money Mm -hmm. And that is that is more than twice, I think. Someone will probably it's, correct it's me. More than, what, it's more than twice what, what Disney paid for Lucasfilm. Two, five, two, two point five billion. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but it, it, is, it is. It's more than twice what Disney paid for Lucasfilm, which it seems like a much more lucrative that's, that's a really, sort that's of a really studio good, to that's me. That's a really good point, Sean, because, because you know, what, what they get the ability to do with Disney get to do with Lucasfilm is you know is to make those no films. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm kind of trying to work out exactly what Amazon have bought here with MGM. Can, can I can I tell you the economics of it, Sean? Okay, it's not only the four thousand films which they can stick on Prime, mm-hmm. right? Honestly, it's two hundred thousand hours of TV. Mm. That's mm-hmm. what that's what the bulk of that price is, and also. There are there are streaming wars going on. Exactly. So, like mm. uh, Amazon Prime is spending over four hundred million dollars for this prequel to Lord of the Rings, and like at the same time, Netflix is spending over four hundred million dollars for two sequels to Knives Out. I mean, it's like it's crazy. But once you get people bidding on properties, that drives prices up a lot especially in the streaming field. Yeah, I, 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 I read um, an article yesterday, and I, I, I don't remember where it was, but it, it was quite interesting because basically it was saying that they're not buying it because they 
are a streaming business. Um, they're basically their their streaming content is given away uh, if you sign up to Prime. What they want you to do is to sign up to Prime. So this is this is basically a content marketing move. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have gotcha. all this free content. You sign up to Prime, you buy more stuff on Amazon. Right. It's not about not selling sure. movies. Yeah. It's about it's about selling physical goods. I, yeah. I read the same piece, David, and it's like yes, because Netflix is all about getting to watch the 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 programs, movies, and TV shows. Prime is more about like getting you involved in Amazon's core business. Yeah, and uh, and the, there is certainly an element of truth to that because we the reason we have Prime is because my wife signed up to Prime to get free shipping from Amazon. Uh, the getting all the video, you know, all, all the video content w- was just, uh, we, we weren't looking for that. Uh, and it was like, oh, so right, we, we've got all this content on Amazon. Yeah, maybe we should, we should check it out. Well, and uh, my wife signed up for Prime and like didn't tell me like, oh yeah, I signed up for that a while ago. So like, I'm, I'm like getting caught up on like, Oh, I can watch Operation Kid Brother. Oh, I can watch <laughs> Call Me Buana. Well, like, you, you I, can. It doesn't mean you should. <laughs> I I did out of um, <laughs> I did because being a Bond fan and all the historical importance of that. I was watching some research, and I was watching something last night with uh, Shirley Eaton speaking in her own voice, playing opposite Mickey Spillane, who was portraying his own creation. My camera, like what? Like oh, I watch it. Like oh, this is interesting. So anyway, yeah, the, it has all sorts of stuff. Like whoa, gotta check it out. I had to, I had to reimburse my my ex wife uh, two pounds fifty uh, for watching an Amazon film uh, after our divorce, <laughs> and, and the lawyers got in touch with me and said, "You watched, you watched uh, Amazon." You have to sign out from it, and you have to reimburse the amount of the money for the for watching that film. This is this is the real reason you're pissed off with Amazon. <laughs> Are we allowed to ask what film it was? I, I honestly I can't remember now. Uh, it, it was it was one of those moments where you're just kind of like, oh god, it's only two pound fifty. Fuck it, you know, like, I'll watch it. Um, <laughs> and and then ended up being you know several hundred pounds in court costs. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's an interesting point you 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 bring up, David, about kind of like this being a, almost like a backdoor to um, you know just getting people to to sign up, um, and and that the that the extra content will be kind of you know a sweetener as well, um, but you know, Bill, to Bill's point about um, the war that's going on as well, um, you know, you, an asset like MGM wouldn't be left around too long anyway um so it does kind of make it does kind of make sense um but i do i and circling sort of back to to sean's point as well it's like i do wonder how how that what you know what their what their influence over the content is going to even be when 50 percent of this is still dan jack eon Mm. so you know before we get into that, Lisa, you had a question? Yeah, I had a question just about sort of the the streaming and, and where this falls. So I know that recently Paramount has released their own sort of streaming service. And so I know that we're talking about Amazon in terms of signing up for Prime and buying other content. 
But I've always felt that this is more of a move to flex their muscles and be the best, you know, against Netflix is over here. Now Paramount has, you know, their own thing going on here and remaining a major player in a variety of spaces. And, and Amazon's MO is to sort of be the best and be the most competitive. To me, it seems very much on brand. And so I was just wondering if you think that the rise of Paramount's streaming channel, mm. along with Disney having its own space, let alone whatever's going on with Netflix, Hulu, and Apple, mm. these broader companies, if that plays any factor in you know, uh, this idea of acquiring MGM. I, I was just wondering how that thought fell in. Act- Actually, I think the, the big one was Warner and Discovery uh, two weeks ago when okay. Warner and Discovery announced they were merging and spinning out at and I mean, that's going to create a media empire to equal Disney and Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what forced Amazon to do this. And also Netflix and Amazon Prime have been able to lease titles from other studios. Like, But now I think, particularly in the case of Netflix, there's they're, they've concluded we cannot do that anymore. We have to like right. lock down things we own. So like you had in Netflix case, you had the movie Mank about Herman Mankiewicz, the lead screenwriter on uh, um, sorry. Citizen um, Kane. Citizen Kane. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. And also in other things like the trial of the, the Chicago 7, which is a great film. And so, like, they're locking down stuff. Netflix wants to emphasize stuff it owns outright. And so I think uh, Amazon is doing the same thing. It wants to, like, lock down its own stuff that it controls specifically. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the problem with leasing, like anything you lease, is you because you never own it, you end up paying over the odds for what it's worth, right? Yeah. Um, Netflix had this problem, by the way, uh, in in the early days because they signed screaming deals with some media libraries when the media libraries didn't know what Netflix was, and when those contracts expired, like three or four years later, the price went up, right? Because people jigged onto Netflix's business model, um, and they can't, you know, with the consolidation of the media empire, there's not too many people with big libraries now, and the price has gone too high to lease the stuff. So go back to what I said earlier, having 200,000 hours of TV content, 4,000 movies is pretty cheap for 8 billion. Right. And so now you have like Disney, like starring Disney plus Paramount starring Paramount plus, um, and some others. Like one exception is Sony. Sony has decided we can't start our own streaming service. There's so many. So like they're now cutting deals, like with the streaming services, like, you know, to, uh, help finance their film slates, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's very much a, it's like it, it's like the Wild West, uh, you know, for lack of a better term. But it, it, it's kind it's kind of supply and demand for the billionaire boys club. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes and no, because like if you go back in history, this kind of stuff has gone on for decades because. Studios got into trouble. They would sell like a portion of their uh, film library to uh, studios that like were doing better. Like at one point, Paramount sold a bunch of its film titles to Universal. Uh, in, in an extreme case, Warner Brothers sold half of its studio lot to Columbia. Because if you see um, 
in certain TV shows in the 70s, it says, filmed at the Burbank Studios. What's the Burbank Studios? Well, it's like the Warner Brothers lot, except half of it is owned by Columbia. But Warner, Brother, Warner Brothers eventually got it back. So this has been going on for a long time. It's just the decimal, pl decimal places have changed and the technology has changed. And lest we forget, MGM sold off some of their movies to Warners in the 80s, right, Bill? That's right. Um, it's a little complicated because like, they sold it initially to Ted Turner. Turner bought the studio mostly for the, uh, the film titles. And then it's like, oh, I borrowed a lot of money to buy the studio. I can't afford the, the debt service. So it's like, I'll sell, it. I'll sell the studio back, but I'll keep the film library. Because he, you know, Turner used that for his uh, cable t TV channels. And then eventually Turner sold out to Warner Brothers parent company in the nineties. And so suddenly like all that stuff eventually went to uh, the Warner Brothers uh, film library. It's like, you know, it's like, it, it's hard to keep track of. It's like, yeah, I do it, but uh, people like don't believe it, but there you go. <laughs> I, I've, I've got another theory about uh, the price tag though, which is, basically that it um jeff bezos wanted to piss off elon musk because both both of them are, are potential uh hugo draxes and so uh, <laughs> um he, he wants to basically pre prevent elon musk from using the the lotus spree on any of his teslas or on a spacex or anything like that and he won't have anything to watch on his flight to mars now <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> He'll have to do like you know the, the the kind of the jingles that are slightly changed, like by one note, or like he'll 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 have like the the esprit, but it won't be white. It'll have to be kind of like orange or something. You know, <laughs> the just, orange esprit. You say it's like the Audi and Little version of. Yeah. It, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like that bit in Austin Powers when they go, it's not Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, say goodbye to Oliver Brown because it's going to be Amazon Basics now. Okay. <laughs> you know what? At least they might get the color of the shirt right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, there you go. Just that's the sound the of another sponsor leaving us. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea that, you know, James Bond would be dressed in Amazon basic. <laughs> It'd be awesome. I, 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 and uh, Sorry, I was, I was just going to ask, that brings, uh, that's an interesting question, though. What do, what do you guys think? Will, will there be any impact on merchandising from this? Yes and no. Well, mer merchandising is basically the remit of, of Danjack, so I, I, I don't think there's... I can't... There'll be... N not not a clear one that I can see at the moment. Do you think there'll be pressure applied though, David? Do you know, like through like won't won't um, won't the considerable weight of Amazon kind of lean into kind of uh, into that or? Well, they could they could for any future film, of course, um, they could rewrite who does the merch for that film. Yeah, yeah, I think it comes into a play in future films not for no time to die sure sure but i think that's what we're we're, we're talking right. about oh yeah it can it can definitely 
you know, a lot of the basically everything that James Bond wears was uh, decided by somebody walking down, um, you know, the Arlington Bur- uh, Burlington Arcade one afternoon and just uh, mm-hmm. going that shop, that shop, that shop, and that shop. Yeah. And, you know, so that was an afternoon's work for them. Um, and, you know, it's understandable because it's all kind of like just off Savile Row kind of stuff and, you know, classic kind of things. But, like, it, it does it seem to me that that will be a different approach if, um, you know, if, if Amazon have any, like, have any say in it. And I'm sure they will. I mean, I, I would, my, my reading, and I know nothing about merchandising, is that the images that we see on screen are going to be one thing, and then the merchandising for other products might be something else. Like, I'm just selfishly thinking, I have a James Bond bathroom. I would love to, like, have more merchandise that the UK is different. You can get different stuff on Amazon in the UK than you can in the US that's James Bond oriented. And I'm like, yeah, I can see them doing things that are a little bit more practical and reasonably priced that I can afford. That's not at the 007 store, but maybe it could be official merchandising. But I don't know if the actual style of James Bond, the clothes he wears, the labels that he wears, if that is essentially going to change. I see them as being two different things. Mm -hmm. That's at least the way that I'm seeing it. I could be wrong, but that's how I'm viewing the landscape. I, I think I, I don't think there'll, there'll be a change in approach. I, I, I really don't. I, I think the the potential opportunity for uh, Amazon is that they any any future partners for for from Bond Twenty Six onwards, they ha- have to sell their merchandise through Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus, that's a that's a thought. You, you, no, no, I, I don't mean exclusively, but you know they'll, they'll be right. saying all of a brown page because uh, at the moment I don't think they sell through Amazon, and you know, and, and a, a Sunspell and a, you know a whatever, an Amazon, uh, uh, an Aston Martin page where you can uh, <laughs> design your, your your custom Aston Martin. Well, just in terms of uh, I, so they then they they just uh, they take a cut of of, mm-hmm. of all the. Um, partners well in terms of uh recent history like history like the last decade so like uh, in skyfall you have the sony laptop that everybody's using because sony's <laughs> the movie. money penny's going to be on a kindle right yeah so like you you could have that sort of thing um you know it's like i i can't anticipate everything along those lines but yeah it, it could definitely have an effect I, I want to rewind to when I was first speaking, and I, I got bleeped for saying that uh, I thought it would be an end to mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the the gaps. Yeah. And so you 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 disagree with me, James? I disagree what, 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 with you because um, I think MGM's financial uncertainty has too often been used as an excuse for why they can't stick to a release schedule. Hmm. And I don't think it's always the case. Um, okay. Case in point, the whole Daniel Craig era up until the, the, this film with Sony. Sony were putting up half the budget. Sony were very active in the production. Amy Pascal is like the unsung hero of the Daniel Craig era. I think when books are written, 
10, 20 years from now about the Daniel Craig era, she's going to come out and, you know, it'll be pointed out as to how much input she actually had on it. Um, none of that was to do with MGM being broke. And they still couldn't bring the films out regularly enough. Barbara Broccoli's been doubling down on non-E on pro- non-Bond projects the last 10 years. Theater productions, mm-hmm. loss-making indie movies. Um, they don't need the money. And I honestly think they're not in any rush to do anything after Craig leaves. Mm-hmm. And so I would fully expect not to see Bond 26 for five years. The, there is absolutely nothing MGM or its new owner Amazon can do to force Dan Jack and Ian to make a Bond film. Right? So I'm thinking this is going to be a similar situation to getting Connery back in Diamonds of Forever, which is going to be Amazon's going to say, we want three films in six years at a budget of $250 million a film. You're going to commit to this release schedule. In return, we'll greenlight five of your other projects. They're going to have to. They're going to have to barter and trade to yeah, get anybody that's not to. Uncommon is it? So. No. Yeah. All right. Well, it's like I said earlier. Like you move the decimal decimal points to one side more, but yeah. The the other aspect is Eon as a production company is not geared up to make more than one film at a time. Um, and sometimes they're not geared up to make one film right. at a time. <laughs> right. And the article we put out today pointed out that they waited a whole year just to get Sam Mendes back. That was nothing to do with MGM, right? They were in no okay. rush whatsoever. Okay. And not only that, right. like like even if uh, if Sam Mendes didn't come back, it would still take a year later. Like there was no way between Skyfall and Spectre that they were going to like come come out with a film in two years because Barbara Broccoli and Daniel Craig did this joint interview and they you know like hey this is sony guy says you know it's gonna be in two years and like both broccoli and craig held the interview he doesn't know what he's talking about it's like oh really so yeah i mean there was no way eon ever wanted to do a, a, a film in two years after skyfall just no way the other thing we're assuming if for anybody who thinks they're gonna see bond 26 anytime soon is like Ian have decided a creative direction. Bet you they haven't even thought about it. No, no, precisely. And the the other thing is right. Uh, the, the, this is the nightmare scenario. Um, Amazon start pushing their weight around mm-hmm. before uh, No Time to Die is released. Um, Eon sues, uh, and uh, the film gets locked away in some lawyer's office oh, for 10 years while they're arguing about it. And so we don't see it until the 2030s. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Daniel Craig is still Bond. Right. right. And they're arguing about something that's like probably like a page and a half of uh, notes. Oh, God, David. That's Bond 26. <clears throat> well, I see your, yeah. I see your point, and, David, because this, this is an echo of Cubby Broccoli suing MGM for un for lowballing the rights to the TV yeah. broadcast, right? Yeah, I, I, I think that's what triggered the thought, yeah. So if, and, if Amazon uh, say we're scrapping the Paramount deal and everything and we're just going to take the film, as soon as it's done 17 days in theatres, we're going to put it on Prime for free, they could get sued. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Barbara Broccoli has not, um, she's not been shy about pissing all over her studio partner. Right. Again, going back to, Back to that 2012 interview, I think it was with the Los Angeles Times, 
oh, we've been rushed, but we're ne- we'll never be rushed again. And like the yeah, I I I think I think to be fair, Eon have a certain amount of leverage in this. Oh yeah, no question. Yeah. But the John, point John John Kelly got shit on, didn't he? Right, but my point being, it's like okay, if you are in business with with the uh, people, do you like go full on and like piss on them, or do you like kind of massage it and just say, well, we'll see. But like yeah, you know, but Barbara Broccoli has not been shy about pissing on people, John Kelly and others i i think their little statement to variety today which came from dan jack was not part of the whole amazon mgm thing at all which was we are committed to make james bond films for the worldwide theatrical audience is shots fired Mm. well and it goes it's an extension of something barbara broccoli said i think in the end of 2019 i have to look it up where where she said we are not interested in like spin-off shows spin-off whatever we just want to do like movies every so often, and that's where we're at. Yeah, well, we're we're barely interested in that either. <laughs> <laughs> David, you're on fire and, today, dude. Well, and we're laughing yeah, about that. It's but a long day. We're laughing about that, but that's the, that that's true. And like, there are like a lot of James Bond fans who like are in denial about this, but like, yes, this is what the situation is. It's amazing to think that basically, you know, a, a pretty small company has such a a huge amount of leverage over this, you know? like Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Dan Jackie you know, is a mom and – I'm sorry, go ahead. Bill. Yeah, I was just going to say, Bill, I, I think pretty much what you're going to say is that um, this, there's this understanding that like, – or this, this misconception perhaps that Eon are this, you know, huge swinging dick entity and um, – you know, really, they're a much, much it's smaller. Like 22 people. Yeah, than Dan, people even realize. I was going to say, Dan Jack Eon is a mom and pop show, a mom yeah. and pop store. And that's what it is. And like, I've, I've seen like in the past 72 hours, all these Bond fans who think this is like, oh, I think, uh, I think Eon has a veto power over this uh, Amazon MGM deal. No, they don't. But like, but do they have a uh, veto about James Bond? Yes, they do. So it's like, but yeah, it's like, you know, there's no way Eon, Dan Jack Eon is going to veto this deal because MGM has a bunch of uh, shareholders like, we want our money. Like, it's like, there's no way they're going to like let, let uh, Barbara Broccoli and uh, Michael G. Wilson stop them from getting it. Can I add just one thing? And this is, I'm going to take us back to something, but we can then continue on. And I know we're talking about like mom and pop shops and we use that that term, but can I just highlight the women who are propelling this franchise forward and doing a lot of work, oftentimes unknowingly behind the scenes? I mean, I know we've talked about um, the different corporations, these conglomerates, and it's sort of like the men leading them. And yet there are women making substantial contributions to pushing this franchise forward. And I just want to sort of throw that out there, that women are not only fans of this franchise, but women are also propelling and pushing this franchise forward as well. So I I think we're right with saying mom and pop with actually just like creating space for women in our conversation about this. So just the conversation we had before about women, I was like, like rockets going off in my brain because I was like, this is exciting. And, and, And it's not just about sort of men in these spaces, but women playing central creative roles. Uh, in this franchise, just thought I'd well, throw that in. 
Well, to piggyback on what you said, I think uh, I think Barbara Broccoli is like the dominant uh, mm-hmm. engine of this, and I I don't think Michael G. Wilson is. Michael, you know, it's like Barbara Broccoli is sixty, sixty one. Um, Michael G. Wilson is seventy nine. It's like I think he's taking a backseat to her. I mean, that's mm. that's that's my view from the outside, but like, yeah, I, I think so. He's more there as a as in a supportive role than uh, an active role. I think, yeah. Yeah, and again, uh, Eon is not a company that is, um, I mean, it, it has a fair degree of diversity uh, within it. Um, you know, so I think there's there's that to consider as well. When you, you know, you think about the, you know, the balance of, of how big, um, you know, Amazon is in comparison to 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 Eon and to Dan Jack, and then you kind of think about the the ratio of that balance of power. You know, that that's that's an insane thing to think that there's this enormous entity that is uh this wields so much power worldwide and then it basically comes down to a small yet diverse business uh with a with a woman essentially leading it. So it is uh it is interesting. Well and I would also add to that like James Bond is still the major intellectual property, a term I don't like, but that is not nailed down in the film area because right. you know it's it's like Amazon is like getting control of half of the franchise, and yeah, and, and you know it's like Bond is like one of the last IP things that's not totally nailed down by a major student and. Apparently, as things seem today, that's still the case. Yeah, and I, 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 I don't think there's any check in the world that would take the rights away from Dan Jack. No, because um, they don't need the money, and without without that fifty percent control, Eon Productions turns into one of the world's smallest film production companies with like no leverage. Right, exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they wouldn't and be able to get know, investment easily. They wouldn't get backing easily. No, especially especially when you consider the the the, the other films that they've tried to do outside of Bond, right? So you know you can you can kind of go, yeah, you know the Bond films have been so successful, but the moment you kind of go like Rhythm Section didn't do too well, and nobody actually saw that other one, <laughs> right? So right. you know Nan- they're not gonna... Nancy. Um, Film stars don't lie in Liverpool. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Like, that too, yeah. So you know that there's that there's that kind of idea that suddenly they just become a very small British film production company. art house. Yeah, and like you said, they won't have necessarily the um, you know the, the the ability to get those kinds of uh, deals done. Bond gives Barbara Broccoli the leverage to get her various art house deals done. Exactly. So she's not gonna she's not gonna relinquish that. And even if even if they decided that they were never gonna make any films ever again, Dan Jack is just a, um, you know, a, a bank account basically that's just continually <laughs> generating money for them. You know, they why would they why would they divest themselves of that? So you know, there is a bleak timeline where Amazon and Barbara and Michael don't come to terms and they just 
don't make any new Bond movies. Yeah, possibility. So, is this the last ever episode of James Bond and Friends? <laughs> no, we're still we're still talking about Dino the Day, for Christ's sake, and that was almost twenty twenty years ago. <laughs> but I, I I think some of some of our listeners or some of our occasional listeners are like one episode listeners will be thankful for that. <laughs> no, we're going to be back. I think we can call it James Bond and Associates or colleagues. <laughs> you know. James Bond and somebody I used to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, of course, now there's a little bit of a, like a sort of a glimmer of hope that with Amazon buying all this back catalogue, they'll also get Eon's back catalogue potentially as well. Mm-hmm. And so... Where are you going with this, Sean? Oh, you know, where, you know where I'm going with this. Um, so, it, Barbara Broccoli, if you are listening, please do consider letting Jeff James Bond Jr. <laughs> no. on Amazon, and then we can keep going. Can, can, can you can you pull somebody pull the plug on Sean? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like nostalgia is a very big currency right now, and I think it would do pretty well. Yeah, but uh, but but, the, but you've got to be able to see it in the first place to be nostalgic about something. <laughs> oh yeah, but True. but imagine right. So they they come out of the blue with the, suddenly James Bond Junior is on Amazon Prime and everyone goes, "Ooh, what's that? Ooh, I've never heard of that before. Ooh, maybe I'll check that out." So so kind of new old stock is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. I think there's nice. a little like like they're doing with the Disney Disney are doing it at the moment with the Star Wars holiday special and they're putting like little bits out there and kind of teasing that. It kind of still exists. I think James Bond Junior could if, get the same treatment. And if people want some context, they can listen to our watch log. Exactly, That's and right. we've still got another fifty, is it, to go? So. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's more like three or four, but yeah, sure. <laughs> James Bond and people we used to call friends. <laughs> and Sean was never invited back. Well. <laughs> like I said, like I said, you go to Amazon Prime. At least here in the U.S., you can see Operation Kid Brother. You can see. You can see. You can see. I, I actually looked for that on on Amazon Spain. Uh, I think yesterday because you, you mentioned that, and no, it's not here. Yeah, but but, but I can yeah. see it, and uh, all, yeah. and also I can't. I'm sorry, and also Operation Kid Brother. It's like uh, it's like okay, look, Lisa would like Operation Kid Brother just because. Lois Maxwell, she's playing a money penny like uh, character, but she's going out in the field and shooting guns and being with the guys. So, like, you know, there you go. Like, that's the ch- that's the last chance you'll ever get to see Lois Maxwell money penny going out into the field. Mm-hmm. I'll stand out. Uh, and uh, uh, a bit of a tangent, but I, I <laughs> oh. <wanna> say I <laughs> just a tangent. Oh, go ahead. Just a tangent. No, it, it's um, that. As a consumer, I find it very irritating when um, things are limited geographically because right. we we should be beyond that now. And yeah. uh, well, that's just just purely because of licensing, right? And the yeah, fact that no, I, for I, I all this for, for all this MGM content they just bought, they won't have those restrictions, so it will be everywhere. It will be everywhere. Yes, yeah, yeah, sure. But I, I'm just just uh, I'm saying, you know, from it's it's like um the the changes for instance that the bbc have done with their online platform and it, it's geographically restricted so 
most of the stuff we can't see in Spain. Yeah, it's just, it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I agree, David. You know, like I'm. And that's I'm a word from our sponsor, NordVPN. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm, Sorry, oh, yeah, but then this is the this is the thing, James. You then have to pay seventy quid for a VPN, as well as you know having fucking. Um, yeah, see, I, I'd I'd be I'd be happy to pay for. Uh, I'd be happy to pay for the service, but I can't get it unless I go through a VPN. Yeah. Yeah, and I had the same thing with my Netflix, and when I was signed up to to Amazon as well, coming over here uh, to the US from the UK, I don't, you know, I I was paying something like eighty pounds for uh, for the year for Amazon Prime, and yeah, I couldn't access any of it. Um, I couldn't I couldn't sign into my uh, Netflix account because of it. And you know, uh, obviously, I can you can cancel those those services, but like if you've just paid for them for the year, <laughs> you kind of yeah, 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 and and it, and it's just, it's just twentieth century thinking, isn't it? Because you know, because of the internet, people congregate um, online rather than actually physically uh, geographically. And so it's by interest. And so, you know, you, you, you just, uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you should be able to sell yourself. And, and additionally, you know, if you want to watch something, you're going to find a way to see it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you, that's why, J- that's why James Bond Jr. is on YouTube. Yeah. And this is, and this, <laughs> is that why? You see, the, uh, the audience is out there. No? Do the right thing, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah. Do the right thing. You've got to get over to e- you've got to get over to Eon House quick before they set fire and burn the tapes. Burn the tapes. Um, but James has a DVD. Just letting you know. Original <laughs> animation spells and, and bring a fire extinguisher yeah. when you get to Eon House. To yeah. So sure that- yeah. Anyway, told you it was a tangent. <laughs> no, it's 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 oh, a really good it. point though. It's it's something I've been worrying about with the, with all the talks about these deals. Is um, so I live I live in the UK and I'm a Star Trek fan and Star Trek Ooh. is a nightmare to watch here in the UK because I believe it's owned by is it is it Paramount CBS yep. somebody yeah. in America. So over here yeah. the distribution deals are split. So if you want to watch Star Trek Picard, you have to watch it on Amazon. If you want to watch Star Trek Discovery, you have to watch it on Netflix. If you want to watch Star Trek Lower Decks, that's on something else. And something else is going to be on Nickelodeon. So it's it's just kind of a Sean. It's not. It's not dissimilar here. I, I was watching Discovery on Netflix in the UK, and then got to the United States and realized that I'd have to, you know, buy another mm-hmm. service in order to finish watching it. Um. So yeah, I'm. I I ended up only seeing like the I think the first season of of Discovery now, and that's very annoying. Um, but it it is nice I, now that if there is going to be a a streaming home for James Bond, it it will all be in one place, right? Because because it literally like every thirty sixty ninety days flips right. It's like sometimes they're on Amazon, sometimes yep. they pop up on Netflix, and then they're back on Hulu or something. It's just they mm-hmm. keep moving them around. Um. So we ran a Twitter poll last week when we knew this was kind of going to happen, and the response was that seventy five percent of our followers have Amazon Prime, hmm. meaning that three quarters yeah. of the audience can watch it when it ultimately yeah. lives on Amazon. Yeah. I I think Amazon Prime must I, I I haven't seen any figures, but Amazon Prime must have been tremendously uh, must have tremendously benefited from the pandemic because people have just been ordering online. 
Yeah, and yeah. I would say like even just talking to my students. So I teach a course on James Bond and I don't have screenings. Um, it's very hard to schedule screenings. And so students do want to watch them on their own and they struggle to find and they don't want to pay rentals when they already have subscriptions. And the big ones that they have are Netflix, Amazon Prime and Hulu. Like they all just seem to have it. Nobody ever watches sort of regular television or cable television. It's not in their sphere. And so as an educator, knowing that they would be in one place and accessible all the time was simply a prime membership that they or a family member might have, um, you know, is something that would benefit like at least me and 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 sort of the sphere that I'm I'm operating in. And like you said, you just don't know where they're going to be. And when they pop up, it's a benefit. But when they're taken down, you see a lot of people being like, oh, I need to catch up or I need to watch before they're gone. And it creates a little bit of a panic in, in, in some of us. And and can I ask, do you, there should be um Sorry, sorry, Ben. I was just going to say there should be, a um, you know, an educational uh, login site for, uh-huh. for, for film studies, right? The- you would have to buy as an institution. Um, a, a specific version for a course. So the University of Oklahoma purchases for certain classes that I teach. If I teach like three documentaries in that class, they will buy the copyright for those films and students right. can log in. It's very difficult to buy an entire series. So I have, for instance, the University of Oklahoma has bought the DVDs and Blu-rays of James Bond and they're available in the library, but that doesn't necessarily help students during a pandemic when they're trying to stay off campus, for instance. Well, and those students don't have a dvd player or blu-ray player in the computer anyway so no and i have a portable one like in case i i ever have to like plug one in but like i had to request that separately because they don't come standard i don't even think you know they what, come even with what, re- being requested anymore yeah. you know what they could do they could just listen to our watch alongs and then say they watched it <laughs> <laughs> you know they could <laughs> i've never suggested it <laughs> you've not suggested to your students to listen to our watch alongs i am no. <laughs> I'm heartbroken and and slightly insulted. Oh, don't uh, it's just I am yeah. Well, I think that it would enhance you know, for extra credit maybe, Lisa. Sure. Credit. Sure. Yeah. I would accept that for extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> and so can I just to go back a little bit, can I ask, can you as it currently stands, can you stream James Bond as part of a subscription service anywhere in the US at the moment? So I'm going to type in where can you stream Goldfinger? Because because well, as in, um, in the UK at the moment, you have to you'd have to buy it. You'd have to buy it off iTunes or Amazon. You can't stream it anywhere because ITV has the broadcast rights. Yes. So Goldfinger currently is free to view with ads on Pluto and Tubi. Um, you can rent it from Prime, Microsoft Store, Google Play, uh, iTunes, or Vudu. So right now it's free to view on Pluto or Tubi, but you'd have to rent it everywhere else. And like next month it'll be on somewhere else and you pay for it somewhere else. It's wet paint. Um, and just as an aside to that, if if you just like Google the titles, oftentimes it'll like bring up on the side all of the places where yeah. you can go and see it. But this is to have it consolidated in one site is probably more convenient than than what I've been doing. So you mentioned at the start, Sean, something about like what's ITV going to do on a Sunday afternoon at four PM on ITV Four? Um, <laughs> I yeah, I I, I was actually going to be uh, say um, a, a a bigger thing is what about bank holidays in the UK? Yeah. Because you know we 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 grew up watching well Bond films on bank 
here's the thing. What? I that was like our generation, David, right? Of yeah, that's how you. A lot of people got into Bond was Sunday, yeah. uh, Sundays or bank holidays in the UK and ITV or Christmas, right? Of a certain age, yeah. of a certain it. age. Um, I'd say any between thirty-five and fifties, probably that's where they got into Bond was watching on TV mostly in the UK. Mm. Um, I don't think that's worth holding on to because I don't think anybody that's in the A one demographic watches TV anymore. So, you don't think you don't think in in the in Britain's constitution it's right. written that there has to <laughs> like, be a Bond film, like the Grand National and the FA Cup final. It's like yeah. gold yeah. Goldfinger on Christmas Day. No, um, yeah, oh, it was the spy love me on Bank Holiday Monday. I think in twenty years' time, we're going to be talking to people. How did you get into Bond? Well, I started watching the Amazon. Yep, it's yep. going to be the story. Yes. Yep, then they'll, they'll say that they got recommended to listen to a watch along. <laughs> <laughs> or they discovered it through James oh, Bond I, Jr. I, I, they're big, they're big Walker de Plank fans. You're really leaning into this, Sean. I like it. Yeah. All right. I, I saw a fight on Twitter with the journalist, and I thought it was fun. So That's I right. The film series. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, sorry, that the, this Monday is a bank holiday, the one coming up here in the UK, and there isn't a James Bond film in the Radio Times TV listings on ITV. <gasps> So maybe it's already oh started. Uh-huh. I am glad that I left the UK it's, twenty it's years the, ago. Yeah, that, that is it's the corrosion on. of our, our fundamental society, <laughs> <laughs> British but, values. Yeah, our values are being taken away from us. This is this is terrible. But it, it brings an interesting point now: is when new fans are getting into the series, does this mean now that they'll all pretty much there'll be a stronger percentage that starts with Doctor No? And more fans will watch the film series in order rather than finding a random jumping on point. Well, you're, you're speaking to somebody who almost watched it from Doctor No, um, because the um, my first Bond film, I won't say my my uh, first Bond film because James has probably got a bleep for it, but um, it was it was a Roger Moore film, and it it was before the Bond films were on TV. So after that, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and the so basically, I watched the films pretty much in order. Uh, so when they came on TV, but interspersed with the uh, the new movies. So yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of what happened with with me as well, David. So you know, I remember going to see, um, you know, Bond films in the cinema, but also then having like the Roger like so there would be the Roger Moore films and I'm. Uh, you, you would go to, um, you know, still got strong memories of seeing Octopussy in the cinema, still strong memories of A View to a Kill. Um, but in the inter, you know, in between that, you would get the the Sean Connery movies uh, on, on the, the bank holidays or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I think that, you know, it's a similar sort of education or, 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 um, you know, some similar experience of, of how I got into into seeing those films. But I, I think James's point of saying that that just doesn't happen now. And mm-hmm. also um, that, you know, when you talk about, this is my chance to bring up something I like. When you talk about something like Aliens and people go, oh, that's a really old film now, you know. Oh, and that Jesus. Was, yeah, because like that's 1986 and people are like, oh, that's such an old film. And you're like, well, wait until I show you Dr. No. 
<laughs> you know, uh, Aliens was 86, yeah, was it? Hold my red stripe, here's a 1962. But I yeah, think it's a really great point of, of how will people then engage with the catalog? Will they look and sort of pick the more modern films or the Bond that they're familiar with? Will they look at rankings and ratings and say, this one seems to be, you know, the most popular or prominent one that other people are watching and that'll be it? Or will people take the approach of if they have a gateway film that a lot of people do, right? You watch the ones that you like and then you go back and you try to like yeah. cultivate your, 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 your library. But I'd honestly don't know how people will engage and how the no. streaming mindset that, that, that ki- kids, that you, the younger generation has, where you're used to sitting down and watching hours of content from start to finish, if that will in some ways translate into watching a film series in that way, in a more serial way, when these are episodic titles with the exemption of the Daniel Craig era, and you can just pick and choose whatever you want to watch. Well, can I say, as, as someone who like got hooked in the 60s like it's i don't think you can predict how they're gonna like the first film they'll see but i think by having a central source they can like discover it like and i I explained this before like i came into thunderball in those days there was no home video but there were re-releases you know of, of double features and so like between 66 and um 72 73 i eventually got caught up but you know it's like it's just now there's there's even more titles and you know it's just it's more unpredictable but yeah so in the 1980s when new fans were being this new fans were being born through having them on television especially in the uk was anybody at the studios thinking don't you miss the days of the drive-in re-releases no so i think once we start getting new fans through streaming. I don't think there'll be people sitting around missing the days when they had them on ITV4. It's just, no. it's just going to be gone. Just like the drive drive-in re- double bills are gone. Right. Well, but I mean, there's, there's some people out there that hold on to this nostalgia of. It's, it's mainly expats that hold on. To well, that. I, I was yeah. going to say in the early seventies, like Cubby Broccoli, like was kind of, kind of protested about, UA has like sold uh, Bond films to TV. What? No, I, I I think there's still some life in theatrical re-releases, um, but didn't happen. Like he didn't have a say. So you know you had him on TV, and you you know after all these uh, re-releases. So yeah, just yeah. And I I don't think there's any difference. I mean, Sean, tell me if I'm wrong on this because. You're of a different generation, but I don't think there's any difference to having the spy love me on a bank holiday Monday on ITV than having it on Pluto TV with ads. No, I, In- I think you're right. I, I can, so I don't have, I don't watch broadcast television at all. I don't have like a cable box or anything like that. I watch everything through services like Amazon. Mm-hmm. I, I, we're the same, Sean. Yeah, I'm I'm the same as well. You know, only only have that stuff. But to to James's point, um, have you has anyone ever noticed that if you do switch the television on, and a Bond film is on, you watch you it. Kind of have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah, you know, the, you know, yeah. But what I do notice, like, oh, they cut this out. Oh, they cut that out. Because, yeah, like, but, there was this like, one time on. Uh, was cable television it was like uh the world is not enough it's like oh 
they cut they cut out Desmond Llewellyn's last scene. Like that's nasty. But yeah, but yes, it's still it's kind still, of it's kind of this weird that. imperative that even if you have the the DVDs like or you know if you've, you've whatever it is or you, you you've paid for streaming or whatever and you've got them sitting there under your tv and you're not watching them but if it just mm-hmm. you have to flick it flick it on and it's there and it's like this this imperative and you can't you can't the tractor beam well, i've yeah. done i've done that i've i've sat down and watched even though i had the home video releases i've still sat down and watch it because it's it's basically it it um it reinforces like yeah what you like is like yeah you know what i think it is yeah i just i've always held on to this i think it's It's an interesting psychological phenomenon though bill you know it's the idea that other people are watching at the same time as you exactly yeah because and and i've been i've encountered that with uh, also old tv shows like i've got the episodes i can watch many time but like oh this is on some channel like you know like anybody who gets a channel can watch it like i'll sit down watch it yeah. yeah, but it, 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 is it that other people are watching, or, or is it because it's just an ephemeral moment, and so it, it, you know you blink, and even though you've got it on on DVD or Blu-ray, you can watch it again. But that moment there, you you can't rewind it, you can't pause it or anything. And and what I'm trying to say is like it reinforces like yes, other people like this other than you, and mm-hmm. and it's like it just it just feels good to know like other people are like watching it even though you have the dvds or blu-rays whatever it just feels better like yes there is yeah, interest beyond you to switch it off yeah and then walk away and do something else you know knowing that it's somewhere that it's playing you know um i mean i think it was, even... was that stat years ago that said um statistically at any time at any time, there's a Madonna song on a radio station somewhere, like statistically. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably true of a James Bond film on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's probably true. I mean, you, certainly if you're on Twitter, you you end up, if you're scrolling through enough, you'll just be like, oh, a view to a kill starting in 20 minutes somewhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, and, and, then, and then there's a weird imperative with that. So I watched uh, A View to a Kill on my own the other night. Um, and then I saw that it was on British terrestrial television. And I was kind of like, hmm, it's on in 20 minutes. Shall I watch it again at the same time that it's on in, in England? And randomly pause it for three minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <The ad breaks. laughs> well, and to bring this back to Amazon, it's like, okay, assuming the Amazon deal goes through, um, this will make it more accessible than it maybe is now. Maybe. I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that goes. I think that goes without saying, Bill. You know, I think I think there will be not just more accessible, but therefore more people will be watching it as a result of that, and and a new a new kind of Bond customer or crowd or fan base, I suppose, will will emerge from this. Um, but that actually raises a question that I'm thinking in my head. So this idea that putting James Bond on television you know, at one point was considered, oh, but will it detract from, say, theatrical sales, right? And how do you feel about having 
Amazon, which we know is a streaming service, um, being involved because that was one of the concerns that a lot of people put on. And I think this is this is a specific like COVID concern that if Amazon is involved and if the, the theatrical thing doesn't work out, they're just going to throw it and have it streaming, and then somehow we're going to lose the theatrical experience. Do you think that Amazon as a platform? will take away from, say, theatrical revenue in a general sense, not necessarily in a COVID sense? Or do you feel as though it opens up different opportunities for maybe old fans, but also a new generation of fans to come and engage with this text and be like, okay, I want to see it. Or there's a James Bond film coming out. I know nothing about James Bond. Let me go on Amazon and get a background on this and see what's going uh, on. I've got to say, Lisa, I I think that it's not going to detract from the theatrical release at all because uh, I'm actually surprised at how well um, cinemas have have held up during the pandemic. I thought more would close and uh, I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure why that is. I can't see how so many stayed in business. You know, they they got money from governments and so on, obviously, which um, uh, absolutely they should have done, but I thought more cinemas would collapse. So... Uh, b- because of that, um, you know, I I think there there is a th- there is a big future in cinema still, and you know, it's clear that a lot of people still want to watch films on on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, personally, I would rather see a Bond film on the big screen, uh, especially the the first time I see it or the first handful of, of times I, I see it. So uh, I I think it, it is. It, it 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 is multiple um, uh, target markets here. Yes. At the same at the same time, I just gonna say that um, I think the business is changing in this sense. It's so like Paramount said I mean, um, that going forward, it would be like thirty days exclusive uh, movie theater window, with maybe forty five for like a big film like mission impossible so like i do think the studios are going to shorter release windows you know exclusive without a doubt yeah yeah. universal negotiated 17 days with amc so yeah so but 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 i agree though that i i do think that there's still a big place for uh you know, the theatrical experience. There's there's a there's a demand for it, certainly that's exists and as David said, it's surprising that that demand did it did re- continue uh, during the pandemic. Um and I think that, you know, one of the things that the pandemic did show us was just how um how much affection there is for for cinema uh still, even if it even if it isn't the um, that, that are necessarily our primary means of consuming, uh, you know, media. Um, and I, I guess my feeling is, is like 50 years from now, as long as that, th- this won't be a question because I don't think really cinema will exist in the same way. Um, so I suppose all that this is, is a kind of a transitional period where, um, you know, you've you've still got the kind of the wave cresting, so to speak, and you know some some people will still be continuing to watch and enjoy cinema, and other people will be leaning more into the kind of the the home viewing experience. But I think eventually, um, that the, the home viewing experience will 
uh, supersede uh, cinema, and it will eventually uh, go go under. Um, yeah, yeah I, that, that, that's the view that I used to have, and I, I, my, I, I've changed. I, I've changed my point of view uh, quite a lot because. Uh, I just thought it was inevitable that um, the the comfort of just being able to watch films at home would completely kill the the um, theatrical release market. But um, but in a way, it it it's it's more like thinking about the book market, where uh, where you know you can uh, at the moment the, the two things coexist, and it, it, it's printed books and it's and yeah. ebooks as well. But I think you can and remember that so, you can remember the time, David, when ebooks started taking off. That traditional yeah. publishers were shitting themselves. Mm-hmm. That yeah. the book industry was going to go away. And the, the, that is that is the model that um, cinema is going to follow because they're, they're you know both have their their advantages. Both have clear advantages, and they and you can enjoy them both. You you, you can um, you know. Uh, I like paper books because I, I, I just like um, the, the the physical experience of ha- having a, a paper book. I, I, I love the smell of books. Uh, I, lo- I love a new book. Book finger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and, and I love the smell of books, um... Mister Bond. The design weight. <laughs> but but you know, with, with with if you've got a book on 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 a Kindle. It's fantastic for searching. I, I, you know, it's it's not my preferred way to read. Really, uh, I uh, I prefer not to use screens. It, it's Although much better for do, it's much better for research projects having it. Although if you do, if you it, do like being able to search, be, you cannot search a paperback. <laughs> well, if you I've... do like uh, Kindle, by the way, folks, uh, Casino Royale uh, is on it. <laughs> uh, a little plug for the IFP there. <laughs> I, I was going to say though, I was going to say though that there have been cases at Kindle or other eBooks where like uh, somebody like yanked them back, and one thinks they have a book in their Kindle. Yes, like, that's true. It's gone. So, so if you buy a um, physical book, you still have it on your bookshelf. To tie all this back, um, the agree the the partnership between IFP and Penguin went south because of eBooks because the publishing hardback and paperback write contracts with IFP didn't include ebooks because they didn't exist when the contract was written. So is that why everyone in any media that may exist right. in the future? So when ebooks came along, IFP cut a deal somewhere else to do ebooks and Penguin didn't renew the contract because they had a little bit of an argument about it. Mm. And tying it all back is what led IFP to release the paperbacks on Amazon under the vintage ah. imprint owned by Amazon. So it's full circle. That is oh, I didn't know Vintage was owned by Amazon. Yeah. Oh Christ! I knew there would be some tie back to to selling selling ebooks. <laughs> there we go. Um, so while we're go- while we're on that train of th- thought, sorry, um, what are you guys thinking of how this might affect physical media for the James Bond franchise? It won't. <laughs> I start, I, I, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon have released their original content on DVD and Blu-ray to sell it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, sometime after it's been on Prime, right? So, there's no way they'll stop selling James Bond DVDs and Blu-rays. I mean, they may start stop selling DVDs because nobody buys them anymore. But I, I can't see Blu-rays and 4K Blu-rays. Going no, I don't know. I think torn. DVDs still outperform Blu-rays. Actually, if you look at them, look at the thing. Weirdly, mm. I prefer DVDs to Blu-rays because they're more reliable. 
I've always had issues with Blu-rays not playing properly. Are they both those? Are they round, <laughs> flat discs? <laughs> I don't know the difference. Hmm. I love it whenever we've got like um, people who like Phil, for example, who's on here is like, I've got this beautiful digital 4K restoration of this and the, the you know, but the color, the transfer isn't as good. And I'm just there like, what? <laughs> you can see the boom mic. Are the people moving in the pictures? That's kind of, yeah, it's kind of my take on it. It was always the thing as well on the, you know, on the forums when people would talk about the music and stuff and just be like, oh, the, yeah, the, the Dolby, uh, surround sound is yeah. amazing and I just like, it's like yeah we lo- used to lo- listen to music on cassette right <laughs> <laughs> we used to watch videotape i not just used to watch videotape but like it would get chewed up in the machine and then you'd have to kind of pull yes. it out and then cut it cut the bit that got grumbled up out and stick it together <laughs> with sellotape and, <laughs> you know i and and to bring it full circle to aliens uh, I somehow had a copy of uh, Aliens on VHS that um, had lost its soundtrack, but I also had an audio cassette version of. The oh my god! So I used to t- I used to cue them up together at the same time. That's something that James wow. cut out. And so... you walked up both sides of the hill with no shoes. I did, and saw Ridley Scott making a commercial for bread. It was amazing. <laughs> in, a, in a in a half foot of a half foot of snow. As you as you march, yeah. Uh, no, but I, I got I kids got it. Kids got it easy these days, don't man. I I've got to say on that I won't. So I probably won't be streaming the James Bond franchise on Amazon because the HDR on the Amazon Prime app on Samsung televisions is absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see you taking a moral stance there. It, Sean. it, it, it just it's just you know <laughs> it's not. We all have I our will red not lines. Be watching so. Amazon. At all, because the transfer is terrible. It's not the, it's not the transfer. <laughs> it's the app's display of HDR. Oh, so they, they better um, sort that out by the time they start screening James Bond Jr. Or, all I so heard is yeah, okay, that's, 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 that's a software language. fix it can be de- dealt with. So who's it's gonna, not the transfer, who, Ben. It's the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> who, who's going who's gonna to write to Jeff Bezos to say, can you please put the braces back on Dolly? <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> you assign work to the people who don't show up. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's like a rule. That's a classroom rule. <laughs> Phil Nobile Jr. should write. He probably would if we asked. <laughs> I mean. It's not about asking. It's about assigning. He's got the job. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, he just texted me what's going on with the podcast. What am I missing? FOMO. So he's, he's gonna be he's gonna be sorely disappointed to find out he's got homework. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just gave you a job, Phil. If you're listening, while you're doing the washing up. Yeah. All right. Any well, final thoughts on life in the Amazon? Uh overall positive, but we'll see how it goes long term. Um I I, th- I think how I started it I it was inevitable that somebody would buy MGM at some point. So um, just see how it pans out. I will say my one request to anybody listening to this, I am all about puns and I'm already loving the, all the Amazon puns. So somebody sent me um, an image of Alexa 
being like Alexa's the new Bond girl um, and she's all personality. <laughs> like I am living, maybe that's why I'm so excited. Like I am living for any sort of Amazon or Amazon Prime James Bond references. So you're welcome to like tweet them to me or Instagram them to me because that's just going to keep me going and my funny bone going. So we're going to in like re-inject humor into the Bond brand literally through those mergers. So I'm good. Uh, and I still think eight billion pounds is a crazy amount of money for anyone to possibly comprehend. So, if if you've got that much cash to splash, then good for you, Jeff. Good for you. And pl- please, well, lucky it was only please, dollars. Please do the right thing, though, and you know, just j- just imagine it. Right? It's like it, just fix that Sam- Samsung. Fix, app, fix right? the Samsung app, and imagine all the kids suddenly getting into James Bond Junior. and hashtag Gordo Lighter, <laughs> Gordo Lighter, trending on Twitter. You know, and just it'd be great. So please, please, <laughs> and also it would make our watch-alongs a lot better because we won't have to watch the really <laughs> crappy line comments. I think that might be a subject for the first meeting between Amazon and uh, Dan Jack Eon. It's to- top yeah. of the agenda. Why, why, is it, why, why does it smell like burning in this conference room? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, if, if James Bond Jr. comes to Amazon, and if Jeff is listening to this, or Barbara, and it happens to work, please, please write it on my tombstone that I was responsible for bringing that back. Please. <laughs> oh, that is how it would be known. Tombstone, I think a big consulting check <laughs> should go your way in that case. On that note, it's been fun, guys, and we'll catch you next week. Yeah, thanks so much. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank Bye, you. everybody. Bye. My ride is here, but I ain't in no rush. Oh, oh. When the music slows and it's time to go, and I'm thinking, how could I be your girl? With the windows gone, Rita Coolidge on, and I'm feeling like the king of the world. Driving down this road, it's 5.30, I'm heading back alone. Playing Bond themes from the early 80s, Bond themes from the early 80s. Oh, it somehow feels like I'm already home. Playing Bond themes from the early 80s, Bond themes from the early 80s.
Driving down this road, it's 5:30. I'm heading back home. Playing on these lonely streets.